Welcome to Talking Mopars, episode number 135. My apologies for the delay on the release of this episode, guys. I had my mom's memorial over the weekend, and the past couple of days have had me battling a little bit of a head cold. I think I'm out of the woods now, and my voice is almost back to 100%, so I wanted to get this out to you guys as soon as I felt a little bit better. On today's show, we have Project Car of the Week, High Performance Parts, a listener story, and our main topic for today is a crazy Dodge van racing trend that has been going on for several years that I find to be very intriguing and that you may have never heard about. I find it so intriguing that I am now trying to figure out how I can participate in it here in America. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, you know, Chris, where else would something like Dodge Van Racing take place? Well, my friends, if you haven't heard of Dodge Vans, then you wouldn't know that in Japan, imported Dodge Vans from the United States are not only popular transports for race bikes, like race motorcycles, but the transports themselves have now become a racing vehicle too. But we'll get to that later on in the show, so without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth, and I am your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. This week's Project Car of the Week is a Dodge A100, so actually it's a van. (laughs) Let's read the ad. 1968 Dodge A100 Shorty, $5,000 in Atascadero, California. Testing the waters. I have a rare 1968 Dodge A100. Great shape, great project, period correct stance, original magnesium mags, has a lot of new parts, has a rebuilt 318, a 904 transmission needs to be installed. I have dolphin gauges, new thrush mufflers in a box, etc. I have the trim also. Body is excellent. Very minimal rust. Would be hard to find one this solid. It's on current non-op with no fees and I have proof. Title in hand, great business advertisement, beer truck, Harley Holler, etc. No scams, codes, or help selling. Thanks. Title status is clean. All right, let's get right into it. This van does appear to be pretty clean. Usually when you see these A100s or A-series vans or even the trucks, uh, they're usually plagued with rust. This one seems to be all right. The picture is a direct shot of the sun, so you can't really get a good or too good of an idea of the condition of the van. But based on what I see in this first picture, it looks like it's got some dents and dings, but it appears to be solid. I don't see the typical rot that you normally would, even on the front of these things. It's painted matte black or primer black, and it is on Coke bottle mags. Um, Perfect stance on this thing uh, as far as the wheels go. Uh, It could stand to be a little bit lowered in the front and maybe a little bit jacked up in the rear. But I I like what I'm seeing here. I like the staggered wheel setup. And like I said, I mean, you can't really see too much due to the quality of the pictures and the way the sun is hitting the van. But it is definitely primer black. And from what I can see, it doesn't appear to be rotted on the bottom side. If it is, it's really hard to tell because like I said, this van is primered black 
and it looks like he just hosed it down. So on one side of the van, it's still really dark and you can't see anything and it appears to be wet because the picture is basically facing the sun. So you get a driver's side shadowed picture. And then the second picture is of the passenger side where the sun is hitting it, but there's a shadow on the lower part of the van and the sun has dried up the top half of the van, but the lower part is still wet in spots where you would typically look for rust. I have the picture zoomed in now and I really can't see any major rot. And actually, you know, if I'm judging the van based on the upper half, it's pretty clean. And there's actually, it is almost hard to tell from the first picture how dented this thing is. And now that I see the passenger side with a little bit more light, I see that this thing is pretty straight. And the dents that I thought I saw on the front end in the other picture are just optical illusions because it's wet. Uh, the van looks really straight. It's $5,000. Um, you know, if this van, assuming that it is as straight as it appears to be, this may not be a bad idea. Um, <laughs> to buy and have as a project. And it may not be a bad price. Um, this thing is already, you know, V8 powered. Uh, I think, let me see this ad again. I think it, it sounded like, okay, so it does have a rebuilt 318 and a 904 trans. And according to the ad, it needs to be installed. I don't know if he just means the transmission or the entire drivetrain, but whatever the case, it doesn't look that bad and it comes with a V8. Hopefully it was originally a V8 van. So that makes the swap a lot easier. He's got some, you know, spare parts. He's got dolphin gauges, uh, new thrush mufflers, and he's got the trim. Um, very minimal rust. I wish he had more pictures showing some of the rust so we can get a better idea of what he's talking about. But, you know, he says the body is in excellent condition, very minimal rust. And he claims that it would be hard to find one this solid and based on what I can see in the pictures you know these are Craigslist pictures but based on what I can see it does appear to be a very solid van and actually it appears to be one of the more solid ones I've seen in a long time for a pretty good price um, you start seeing these things restored and they're in the five-figure category you know whether that five-figure be 15,000 25,000 20,000 I've seen them go for a lot more um, in worse condition, you know, I've seen them go for eight grand, you know, in their rust boxes. So this one for 5,000 is a great starting point and a cool little van. I, I really like what I'm seeing here. I'm not too sure about how non-operational statuses on vehicles or the registrations or whatever work in California, but I don't think it would be too much of a problem, especially since he has the title in hand. Um, yeah, this thing looks like a solid project, man. Five grand, not a bad deal. If this thing was any cheaper, I think it would already be sold. Let's see when it was posted. It was post. Oh, it was posted today, um, fourteen hours ago. From let's see here. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was posted earlier this morning. Um, not a bad deal, you know, in California. So it's probably not rotted like cars that you would find, you know, in the Midwest or even up here in the Northwest. Um, I don't see any, he's got a, it's in a lineup of other cars. And I think maybe there may be one or two other Mopars, but most of them are, are, you know, random cars. We've got a bug, a Honda CRV, looks like some sort of Chevy truck in the background, maybe, uh, something else looks like maybe a Dodge truck and then some sort of 
car under the cover here. I'm not sure what that is. Looks like it's got some sort of a hood scoop, but the van looks clean. I'm looking at the doors uh, where you have the door hinges. I don't see any major rust signs. Now, he could have just sanded this thing down and shot at primer black to try to hide some of the rust. But based on what I see, just based on how straight the panels appear to be and how well the doors line up um, on the passenger side, it, it seems to be a solid van, folks. I wish he had more pictures of the inside and better lighting so we could get a better idea of what we're looking at here. But, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say, based on what I see, $5,000 isn't too bad of a deal. If you could get this thing for three or four, I think you'd be stealing it if it is as solid as he claims. Um, very cool van. I love these old vans. You know, I'm, I'm partial to the B series between, you know, the, the 70s B series are my favorite vans. But these A-series vans are very, 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 very close. <laughs> Not too far behind. Um, and later on in the episode, we'll talk about the Dodgy vans uh, that you find in Japan. Um, those are now becoming... Uh, uh, I'm very fond of those vans now, too. So, you know, the only vans from Dodge that I really... You know, I, I shouldn't say I don't care for them, but they're not my favorite style. Is like the 80s and early 90s that have the square front ends i really i really don't like the front end of those vans very much but um these a100s are awesome uh very compact vans um and they're only getting more popular and they're only getting more expensive i know that there's a couple companies out there that offer uh replacement sheet metal so that might not be uh too big of a problem you know what i mean um so you know, like, I, like I've said many times in the past, Mopar projects, to find them for reasonable prices is kind of tough. So when you run across something like this van, you know, for well under $10,000, you know, at five grand, great starting point for a project, a V8 powered van, <laughs> you know, especially something like this little A100, you could build a fun little hot rod. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give this van the Mopar Hunter seal of approval. <laughs> um, very cool van. Um, as you guys know, I love vans. So, you know, it's no surprise that I feature a lot of them on this Project Car of the Week segment. But this is definitely one I would absolutely consider if I had the money and if I was close by. So any of you listening that are in California, um, near Atascadero, so it looks like uh, close to Ventura, California, um, I would definitely uh, take a look at this thing. It's, it's it's a really cool looking van, you know, to be honest with you, from what I can see. Um, you know, great project, great shape, the guy says. Uh, looks good to me. Like I said, maybe you could, you know, tune up the stance a little bit, get that front end a little closer to the ground, maybe get that rear up a little bit. But, you know, the wheel setup is perfect. I like it a lot. So, yeah, Mopar Hunter seal of approval on this $5,000 1968 Dodge A100 shorty van. That was Project Car of the Week. This week's high performance part is a 1970 Plymouth Roadrunner Superbird that is featured for a split second as a background vehicle 
in the 2010 movie MacGruber. Now, this is a comedy film. I've never seen it. And I was actually tipped off about this car in this movie. Apparently, pro wrestling superstar The Big Show is a mechanic of some sorts. And in this automotive shop sits what appears to be a sassy grass, uh, based on what I can see in the picture, the only picture I could find of the car. It appears to be sassy grass. Um, it could be limelight, but in this dark picture, it looks to me like it's a sassy grass car, um, but uh, it does appear to be a Superbird. You don't really see too much of the car. Um, looks like it's got black bucket seat interior, black vinyl top, um, and I can't really make out what the engine is, but I was told about the car, had to take a look and see if I could get a good picture of it. Um, I found two pictures and it, it looks to be sassy grass. I could be wrong, but it's always cool when you see a Superbird on the big screen. I'm going to have to check out this movie, and everywhere I looked, it was like $3.99 to rent it, and I didn't want to rent it just to see the car. So if I ever see this movie for free somewhere, I guess I'll check it out. But apparently there's a Superbird in it, and from what I see, it does appear to be a 1970 Plymouth Superbird. So very cool. If you guys have ever seen the movie MacGruber, you probably know about the car, but if you haven't and you want to spend $3.99, you can go watch MacGruber. I guess it's a pretty funny movie with uh, Will Forte. And uh, it's based off a Saturday Night Live character. But uh, any movie that has a Superbird, even for just a split second, is a movie that I'm going to have to check out. So that was this week's high performance part. The 1970, what appears to be Sassy Grass Green, Plymouth Superbird, featured in the background of one of the scenes in the movie MacGruber. From what I understand from the International Movie Car Database, it was like 14 seconds, or uh, not 14 seconds. Uh, it was like 14 minutes into the movie. So um, I'll have to check it out when I get a chance, but it's cool when you see a wing car on TV or in a movie. So like I said, that was the high performance part for this week, the 1970 Plymouth Superbird in MacGruber. That was high performance parts. This may come as a shock to you guys, but I've been trying to cut down on carbs. And no, I'm not talking about carburetors. I'm talking about carbohydrates. We're all trying to eat better, but healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring. Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors you love, but without all of the bad stuff that you find in typical cereals. So to help feed my love of cereals, I got myself a variety pack from Magic Spoon. These variety packs have four flavors. They're cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. These packs have zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs, and only 140 calories per serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. It tastes exactly like regular cereal from your childhood, but is super nutritious. It's delicious but super healthy cereal that really brings joy to your mornings, afternoons, or evenings, especially after working up an appetite after a long day working on your project. Go to magicspoon.com slash MoparPod to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code MoparPod at checkout to save $5 off your order. 
Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash MoparPod and use the code MoparPod to save $5. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode of Talking Mopars. It's time once again for listener stories, and this is another listener story that somehow ended up in my spam folder that I managed to track down. This was sent to me all the way back in the beginning of February, and I feel bad because I know this guy, I like this guy, and I'm going to be racing this guy at the No Name Nationals. You know him by his YouTube channel, Dutch Guys Garage. Ladies and gentlemen, this listener story was sent to us from friend of the show, Dustin Ransom. Here is Dustin's story. Hi, Chris. I just wanted to share my Mopar story with you. My family has been into Mopar since my grandfather started bracket racing in the 1960s. He himself was a B-body man at heart and raced a 1965 Plymouth Satellite until the spring of 1971. In 1971, my grandfather worked at the local garage here in town and a man brought in a 67 Dodge Dart GT. The GT was an original 273 car, and the owner wanted to have a new 383 Commando put in it. Back then, that just meant calling up the dealership and ordering the K-frame and motor. Least to say, that all went well, and the car was swapped. The original owner came to pick up the car and had financial issues to the point where he couldn't pay the bill and surrendered the car. My grandpa, having done the swap, decided to pay off the bill and took ownership of it. He raced it all through the 1970s and until 1985 when he decided to get married and needed money for a ring. The car got sold to another local and was forgotten by all but my grandfather and my father. Fast forward to 2005 and the car resurfaced in the town where we live. Unbeknownst to anyone, my dad bought the car sight unseen as it was the car he grew up with. He took me over on Christmas Day of 2005 to my great-grandparents' house to, quote, show me something. The garage door popped open and there sat the dart. I was floored having just turned 16 years old and here is the car I had only heard stories about. Dad gave me the keys and I got to start that monster. Dad asked me how I felt and I was pretty darn excited. But my dad being the jokester he was, wasn't giving me the car, but just wanted to brag it up to someone since he had been hiding the car for months. Looking back, that was a wise choice as no 16-year-old kid needs a 12-second big block dart. He has since done some tasteful mods like a new fiberglass hood and fixing the interior some, but the car still looks the same as when my grandfather raced it back in the day, all the way down to the old Mopar drag race stickers. That is just one of our many, many Mopar stories, and I'll be sure to write you again as I have a Mopar collection now myself consisting of 16 classics, including rare Mopar F-bodies and tin grill Dodge trucks. Best wishes, Dutch. Thanks, Dustin, for sending in your story, buddy. I'm really sorry that it ended up being in my spam folder. That was obviously unintentional. So the background of how Dustin and I ended up being paired up for the No Name Nationals to race each other was that Dustin called me out during one of my live streams. So I, I think it was one of my live streams. But uh, he called me out to a race. He's got a 78 Valari Petty Kit car that is pretty badass. I love the car. It's got a hot little 360 in it, I think. Could be a 340. I don't know. Dustin's really not telling me everything I need to know about this car so I can be sure to win. <laughs> but uh, that call out really sparked me going and buying the dumpster fire, my 73 Roadrunner, which 
is a basket case right now. And I'm really struggling to get it ready for the no-name nationals. But, you know, nevertheless, I have a lot of work to do and I'm still cracking away at it. And I hope to race Dustin because the no-name nationals, folks, if you haven't heard, go check out the no-name nationals. You can find it just by searching the hashtag no-name nationals. And you can see everybody that's participating, everybody that's called somebody else out and all the awesome cars that are showing up to the event. Dustin called me out and I accepted because I'm a man. (laughs) No, but in all seriousness, I'm really looking forward to the race and I'm doing everything that I can to make it with the Roadrunner, the dumpster fire. So Dustin, thanks for sending in your story, man. I know you got plenty of stories to share. And since we know each other so well now, just come on the show and share them on the show with us. Um, I'm, uh, I am really pumped to watch the dumpster fire race his petty kit car. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to put on a show as long as I can make it. I'm pretty sure Dustin's a for sure thing, but, uh, the fact of me getting the car done, my car (laughs) in time for the no name nationals is still up in the air. And I still have to come up with the money to pay for the gas to get it there. Cause it's all the way in Sykeston, Missouri. And I live all the way up by Seattle, Washington. So it's going to be like a two and a half or three day drive just to get out there. Um, hopefully to win, (laughs) but, uh, regardless, I'm going to the no name nationals to have a lot of fun. And Dustin is my first race possibly my only race. I'm not quite sure yet. Who knows? I might blow the car up to smithereens. So we might send the 318 to the moon, but, um, I'm really looking forward to it. So Dustin, if I haven't said thank you yet, thank you for calling me out. Cause you really motivated me to uh, get my ass into gear. Unfortunately, it's costing me a lot of money, (laughs) but all in good fun. Like I said, Dustin, thank you for sending in your story. Those of you listening to this show right now, please go to YouTube and subscribe to Dustin's channel. You can find him by searching Dutch Guys Garage, and you can see all his awesome F-bodies. Those cars are really cool, and they're really growing on me. And in fact, so I went to my mom's memorial this weekend. She lives, or she lived, in eastern Washington. So I had to, you know, drive three hours over the mountains and see my family and celebrate uh, my mom's life. So that's what we did. And on the way home, I've, I've known about this car for a very, very long time. And I had thought that somebody locally to me had bought the car because I saw some posts on Facebook that showed what I thought was the car. I thought it was a Velari Roadrunner, but I think I was wrong. And somebody said they pulled out a Velari Roadrunner from someplace in Eastern Washington. And I swore that that was the car. And the couple of times that I've been over to that neck of the woods, I've looked off the side of the freeway to see if I can see the car and I hadn't seen it the past couple times. Well, I must not have been looking hard enough because on the way home, I saw the black and orange, what I believe to now be a Dodge Aspen. I'm going to have to send some pictures over to Dustin because he's better at identifying these cars than I am, you know, admittedly. So I'm really excited about the car. looks like it's got a sunroof though. I'm not too pumped about that, but it, it has been sitting in this spot for years. And uh, I'm really excited that I I happened to see it. I had to jump on Google Earth and see if I could get better shots of it um, because I was driving when I drove past and I saw it and my wife couldn't get a picture in time. So I jumped on Google Earth and we found the car 
and I got a couple good angles of it to see what it actually is. And it appears to be pretty solid. It's an Eastern Washington car. So it's a lot drier of a climate over there. I know most people think about Seattle and Washington state as a rainy state, but on the East side of the Cascade mountains, it's pretty dry and they have a more deserty like climate. So I would love to go follow up on that car and see if the guy's willing to sell it because it looks pretty solid and it's been sitting for a long time. But um, like I said, I thought it was originally uh, a Velari Roadrunner, but I think looking at it again, I believe it's an Aspen. Um, I'm not sure if it's an RT or whatever, but Dustin, if you listen to this, I'll be reaching out to you with some pictures. <laughs> you tell me what it is. All right. But uh, that was Dustin's story. And that was my little story about a potential Dodge Aspen that I saw that needs to be saved. And I'm going to try following up on that car. I've got some friends over in Eastern Washington that probably know all about it. So maybe I can send them over there and they can buy it for me so that uh, I don't have to spend any more money because like I said, I'm trying to get this Roadrunner to Sykeston, Missouri. But that was Dustin's story. Thank you once again, Dustin, for sending in your story. And once again, go check out Dutch Guy's Garage and give him a subscribe and hit that notification bell so you can see when his new videos come out. Show the man some support. We need to get him to 500 subscribers so he is actually eligible for the No Name Nationals. That's right. He called me out and he wasn't even eligible and neither was I because neither one of us had 500 subscribers. I've managed to cross the threshold and he has yet to do so. I believe I'll have to check on his YouTube channel. But regardless, whether he has 500 or not, go subscribe to Dustin's channel right now. No, do it after the show. <laughs> All right. That was listener stories. If you have a story that you'd like to submit to this show, you can do so one of two ways. Either you can email me, chris at talkingmopars.com, tell me the story and I will share it on the show, or you can leave me a voice message that I will play on the show by dialing 209-28-MOPAR. You have three minutes to tell your story. If you can't tell it in three minutes, that's okay. Call back and leave as many messages as you need to, to tell your story, and I will splice them all together. But that's how you submit a listener's story to Talking Mopars. And I would love to read your story, but most of all, I would love to hear you tell your own story in a message that I can play on the show. By now, you should know that I have a special interest in Dodge vans stemming from growing up around my dad's custom boogie van that he built himself. You should also know by now that I actually have a 78 B200 boogie van project currently in the works that I'm building as not only a fun tow rig for my other Mopars and also my home away from home when I'm on the road, but also a mobile podcast studio. And I believe it will be the first mobile podcast studio built out of a boogie van. Call it a van cave, pod van, Whatever the case, its inspiration comes from my love of boogie vans. What you may not be aware of is that I actually want another van, but not another 70s era van or an A100, even though I talked about them earlier. I would love to get one of those down the line. But what I'm interested in finding sooner rather than later is a 94 to 2003 Ram van. And the inspiration behind my desire to find one of these vans comes from this crazy trend in Japan of all places. And these Dodge vans in Japan are known as Dajibans because in Japan, you know, with people whose first language is Japanese, the two words Dodge van 
is actually pronounced Dajiban because their heavy accents have basically created a new word that Dodge vans are known by in Japan. And not only is Dajiban a word, but it is also a crazy fun trend that has grown in popularity in Japan and has now found its way back to U.S. shores. It all started with Japanese motorcycle racers using these vans as transport rigs for their race bikes. And as legend has it, it all started with at least one of these vans doing a spirited lap on the motorcycle track as a goof. And it sparked this entire trend because so many of these guys were hauling their race bikes to the track with these vans that they started racing the vans themselves and modifying the vans for racing. It's insane. There is now even a circuit racing event for Dodge vans in Japan. Um, you know, Dodge van racing, who would have thought, you know, and it's just about as ridiculous as it sounds, but in my opinion, I think it's awesome. And as legend has it, a Japanese gentleman named Abe Takuro even has a tuning shop in Japan that is primarily race van focused. Yes, you heard that right. There is actually a tuning shop in Japan that builds these vans specifically for racing purposes. I first learned about this trend, you know, roughly six years ago, but only recently did I give even a, a tiny bit of a thought to actually buying one of these things and building one to crush some cones here on American soil. I would love to build a track van. Um, I'm not taking it to Japan to race it, <laughs> but uh, I think it would be fun to, you know, run some, run some laps around here. I think that would be really cool, but whether or not I ever get one, you know, that remains to be seen, but the idea of building one of these vans is very enticing. Um, my first love is always going to be 70s Dodge Buggy vans, but I really like the idea of building a more modern Dodge van for, you know, road racing purposes, you know, maybe some SCCA. I don't know. It sounds like a lot of fun. Just hauling ass around corners in a Dodge van trying to get the thing to drift. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, racing a Dodge van, you know, and I, I do use the term racing loosely, but um, for now, you know, I think I'll just stick with my 78 and build my dream boogie van but I will likely be searching for a cheap Ram van to tinker with at some point in the hopefully not too distant future. And I actually did find one recently, you know, if I'm going to be honest here, uh, it's a, oh gosh, what year is it? A 2001, I think. Um, it's a 2001 shorty van. It's got over 200,000 miles. It's got a 318 and a considerable amount of dents and dings but it does run and actually drives uh, for about 800 bucks. It needs some suspension work, but the temptation to buy this thing and sit on it until I'm ready to build it is very, very high. But because of the current Roadrunner dumpster fire project and my deadline to have it ready and transported to the no-name nationals is really, you know, <laughs> climbing into my wallet. I just can't get myself to pull the trigger on the $800 van. Um, and I've actually been really surprised to find the prices of these Ram vans climbing just as much as the old boogie vans, basically due to the popularity of this van life movement. So that just makes me even that much more inclined to find a cheaper one sooner rather than later. And I actually, you know, I did make an offer on the $800 van. You guys are going to laugh at me for this. I hit him at 400 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> why did I do that? Why, Chris, did you offer the guy half 
of what he's asking when he said $800 firm. And I'm going to tell you why. Because chop him at the knees. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm notoriously known for being a cheap-ass low baller. And once again, I don't disappoint. Um, I thought to myself, you know, what would it really take for me to drive halfway across the state again to pick up another Mopar, especially a van? And I thought to myself, you know, if, with the price of gas and all that fun stuff, you know, if he sold it to me for you know, five or 600 bucks, I probably would have went and bought it. But I thought, let's hit him at 400 and see what he says. And big surprise, he hasn't said a damn thing because <laughs> he was not willing to entertain a low baller such as myself. But it's a cool van, you know, short wheelbase, a big hearse style rear door like my van. Um, you know, those two things alone make the temptation even greater. And 800 bucks, you know, it really is a good deal at 800 bucks. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it would have to be five or 600 to really get me to go, okay, I'm going to have to just take a little bit out of my dumpster fire fund and buy this van and just sit on it for a while. But I know where my priorities lie right now, and that's in getting the dumpster fire to the no-name nationals. But um, I've actually really been having a hard time convincing myself that I don't need that $800 van. But... uh you know, I guess I just want to say that as crazy as the Dodge van racing trend in Japan is, and as crazy as it sounds that I actually want one, I want people to know that I am 100% on board for people buying these vans to build more modern, somewhat hot rotted boogie vans. I think that's cool. And to be honest, I think there should be no limit or boundaries for what kind of Mopar someone decides to build for fun, hot rod related shenanigans. You know, I know a lot of people are going to be like, those Ram vans are ugly as shit <laughs> or whatever you're going to say about them or the, the Dodge van racing trend in Japan, the stupid Dodgy bands, the stupid. I think it's cool. <laughs> but uh, like I said, you know, I, I don't think there should be a limit or boundary on what kind of Mopar someone decides to build to have some fun with. You know, whether it's a classic muscle car, a truck, or even a newer Ram van. I hope that people see the potential for fun Mopar projects, even using the least likely of platforms like these crazy dodgy bonds. And I guess... I guess that's that's the point of this episode is as crazy and insane as racing these newer Ram vans sounds. I want you to go on YouTube and check it out. Go look up Dodge van racing in Japan and you'll see how much fun it looks to be hauling ass in one of these things. Now, a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, that's not nearly as fun as driving, you know, or racing a 10 second big block dart, <laughs> you know, down the quarter mile. Sure. But there's so many different ways to have fun with a Mopar. And I think that racing a van is just one of those ways. Um, you know, are they fast? No. But there's got to be something fun about taking a giant van and hauling ass with it and getting it to slide around corners. That looks like a lot of fun to me. I'm sorry. Actually, you know what? I'm not sorry. I think it looks like a lot of fun and I would like to do it someday. Um, but, you know... <laughs> I know a lot of people are probably going to judge me for that, and that's okay. But the fact of the matter is, I just want to have fun with Mopars, and I hope you do too, no matter what that project is, even if it's a PT Cruiser. Yes, there, I said it. <laughs> Thank you.
There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this show, you know where to go, TalkingMopars.com. And you can reach me by emailing Chris at TalkingMopars.com or by leaving me a voicemail on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR. And you just might get to hear yourself on this show. So keep sharing those Mopar stories with me and anything else that is on your Mopar-addicted mind. Don't forget how important it is to keep your Mopar protected from the elements. If you do need protection like a car cover, don't wait. Head on over to TalkingMopars.com, click on the Affiliates tab, and go get your Mopar covered today. Before we shut this podcast episode down, if you want some Talking Mopars merchandise like t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and cool swag like that, check out the merch shop on TalkingMopars.com. And for exclusive bonus episodes and videos only for my supporters, become a Facebook supporter today and get immediate access to those benefits. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.